The road we're on is paved in Garth. Come along on the journey. As we explore Garthology. Think of it more as a conversation. I like that. So if this is truly a conversation, then I say let the conversation begin. Hey guys, it's Deb. And I'm Pete. And this is where Jess would normally jump in and introduce herself. But as we mentioned previously, Jess has had a family emergency and is not able to record right now. Plus, I'm going to be out of town for six weeks, which means we have to get some recordings done before I leave. And with Jess out right now, it leaves us short one host. And we've also decided that Garthology isn't Garthology without one of the three of us. So we didn't want to record any new episodes. But we still want to give you all some fresh content. So we're going to hit replay on a previous episode. But then Pete and I will come back. We'll chat about that previous episode with some additional thoughts and see if we still feel the same as we did when we first recorded it. Plus, we'll include some new shout-outs to some of our very favorite Garthologists. Yeah, and we hope that you all stick around and listen through the episode again, as well as our new thoughts and shout-outs. We have missed recording and are hoping to bring you some new full-length episodes very soon. But for now, we're excited to share these new thoughts with you. We've really missed our Garthologists and talking to each other about Garth. Plus, if you could all send up some prayers and good wishes for Jess and her family, that would truly be a blessing. So let's begin. For today's episode of Garthology, Season 2, Episode 13, we're going to look back at Season 1, Episode 6, our review of the first five songs on Garth's second album, No Fences. Let's go. Hey guys, I'm Deb. I'm Pete. And I'm Jess. Hello everybody, and welcome to Episode 6 of Garthology. Thank you, everybody, for listening and interacting with us this past week. This week, we will be discussing the first five songs off of Garth Brooks' second studio album, No Fences. No Fences was released on August 27, 1990, and it went on to reach number one on the Billboard Top Country album charts. It reached number three on the Billboard 200, where it stayed in the top 40 for 126 weeks. It came off the Capitol Nashville label and was produced by Alan Reynolds. So with that being said, let's get to the first song and pass it over to Jess. Hey guys, I have the first song off of No Fences, which is The Thunder Rolls. Three thirty in the morning, not a soul in sight. The city's looking like a ghost town on a moonless summer night. Raindrops on the windshield, there's a storm moving in. He's heading back from somewhere that he never should have been. And the thunder rolls. So we've briefly talked about the Thunder Rolls before because it was one of Pete's favorite songs in our first uh, podcast episode. 
So we maybe won't go quite as in-depth with it as we would have, but we're definitely going to touch on the high points. So The Thunder Rolls was written by Pat Alger and Garth Brooks. And a little background on Pat Alger. He worked with Peter, Paul, and Mary, the Everly Brothers, Dolly Parton. Um, More importantly, he wrote four number one hits for Garth, including Unanswered Prayers, What She's Doing Now, That Summer, and The Thunder Rolls. And a little something you might not know, Pat Alger and Garth Brooks also co-wrote another song called Like We Never Had a Broken Heart. That was the second single off of Trisha Yearwood's debut album back in 1991, September of that year. So if you don't know that song because you just missed it the first time around or maybe you were really young when it came out, you should definitely check it out. Garth is more background, but it's sort of like a duet between Garth and Trisha, so it's definitely worth checking out if you don't know it or if you just haven't heard it in a while. Back to the Thunder Rolls, though. This song was released April 30th, 1991 as the fourth single off of No Fences, and it became the sixth number one song for Garth on country charts. Pete talked about in our first episode how The Thunder Rolls was one of his all-time favorite Garth songs and that it was originally recorded by Tanya Tucker back in 1988. It was never released by her until 1995, so Garth actually did get to put it out there first. He also talked about how the Thunder Rolls is played in Cowboy D minor, and that's what gives it that um, kind of haunting, foreboding sound of the Thunder rolling in. Uh, One of the things that we didn't talk about, though, that I thought we could talk about this time is how controversial that song was at the time. The video and the song itself both had kind of a tough time out of the gate because of the subject matter. Uh, There was infidelity, domestic violence. Homicide, if you listen to that fourth verse, it wasn't part of the single, but the live version that Garth sings says she reaches for the pistol kept in the dresser drawer. And you have to remember this was back before like Dixie Chicks and Goodbye Earl that came a decade later and everyone lauded it. The Thunder Rolls had to kind of really fight to to get out there because of all the initial backlash. But I I think that it became a hit despite the naysayers. And I would argue that people were ready for that. Like they were looking for something more real than what they had heard in the past. But it had to it had to work to get out there and find its audience. And I think that's kind of, you know, you always root for the underdog. So I'm glad that it became the huge hit that it is now. Just a, a great overall song. And I think everyone, it's one that people love live. And, and I'm glad that it made it to where it did. But I know we we talked about it before, but did you guys have anything you wanted to add this time around about it? Yeah, I actually was going to mention the extra verse. I I like that, and I think it's a great ending to the song. And I can kind of understand why it wasn't included in the original recording because you know they they try to make it all family friendly. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about that, but I love it in the live show. I think it's a great ending to the story of the song. The thing I've never understood, I guess, you know, you mentioned the video Mm -hmm. and it was really controversial. It actually got pulled off of like CMT, Mm -hmm. but I've never understood why the video focuses so heavily on abuse, on the man's abuse to her. Because to me, the song is a cheating song, right? That's what it's all about. So I've always been, I've always seen the contradiction between the song and the video and they say, you know, I think Garth has said in a few things that I've seen and read that it is a song about abuse. And that's why the video was made that way. But I just never saw the song that way. I just always saw it as a cheating song. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, uh, that's a good point. I guess li- looking at it that way, then going back to watching the video and listening to the song, when I would watch the video, I was so memorized by what was going on in it. Like, this video is, I mean, obviously it wasn't ahead of its time because those things were going on at that time. But, I mean, it was a very powerful video, and I never looked at it as a way to deficiate. Yeah, I think the same thing. I think it's a cheating song, but it does focus, looking at it now, uh, on on abuse. It's uh, that's a that's a good point. Yeah, it was also fun to see Garth play a role in that. You know, right. instead of just kind of standing and being the singer, it was it was fun to see him be in the story. Although I I don't like seeing Garth as a cheater. And an abuser. It's weird to sit back and watch him in that role. And then towards the end of the video where he sits back and you can see everything going on over his shoulder, like he's watching from the outside in, you know, it's a, it's like a dual role type thing. It's a, the video was, uh, was really well done, but very controversial. Yeah, definitely ahead of its time. I think for yeah, sure. I agree. Well, That I think was probably enough for this song just because we have already talked about it before. So I think it's a good time to go ahead and pass it along to Deb so we can pick up with the second song on the album. Okay, I do have the second song. The second song on No Fences is New Way to Fly. Tears that they cry. Now the lesson's been New Way to Fly was written by Garth and Kim Williams. And Kim Williams actually is really well known within the songwriting community. He was named an ASCAP's Country Songwriter of the Year in 1994. He won the Country Music Association Song of the Year for a Randy Travis song in 2003, and he was inducted into the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2012. So he's definitely well known around Nashville. With Garth, he actually wrote quite a few of Garth's songs with him, uh, Ain't Going Down, Baby Let's Lay Down and Dance, It's Midnight Cinderella, The Night I Called the Old Man Out, Papa Love Mama. I mean, those are some great Garth Brooks songs. And Kim was um, the co-writer on those. So that's awesome to see that Garth goes back to that well when he knows he's got a good partner and he, you know, he works with them over and over again. So I like that. As far as the song goes, for me, it was kind of almost like a throwback to his first album. You know, we talked about the first album and how it was kind of more of an old country sound. To me, this song also kind of has that old country sound. And so it was kind of a throwback in my mind. For me, it also sounded a lot like Randy Travis. To me, it was like a Randy Travis song, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s. He sounds like Randy Travis on it. Although in the anthology, Garth talks about how to him, it was a Haggard song. You know, it sounded like a Haggard song to him. He tried to do like a Haggard impression in it. So I think that's funny because for me, it it comes across as Randy Travis. 
And then Trisha, of course, does the harmony background. And she just, she gets those high notes and she just owns them. I love the background singing in that song. So those were kind of the things that um, I found. What did you guys think about it? I agreed with that kind of old school sound. And also, I felt like whenever it got to those harmonies that you were talking about, like those big, powerful moments, it was a throwback to an old sound. And then that brought it into the Garth sound again for me. Like I was like, oh, there it is. There's like what you hear more of later. So I saw both things in there. But this song was one, it was never really on my radar. I don't really, I mean, I had heard it, but I don't really remember ever listening to it. But listening to it for this, I actually do really like it. And I'm not sure why it never kind of was on my playlist or anything before. But maybe I'll add it on there now. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, there you to- go. Yeah. And it was never released as a single. It only, it just came out with the album and that was it. Yeah. Going back to um, what you were saying between the the Haggard and the, the Travis. It's crazy because I got Randy Travis from it as well. And again, doing research, I saw in the anthology where you mentioned Haggard. And then you look at the, you, if you look at it that way, you could hear the Randy Travis side, uh, side of the music, but then you, you relate it to some of the Haggard songs that he talked about on the um, Blame It All on My Roots at the Wind. Some of the lyrics are Haggard lyrics. So it's kind of a little bit of the combination of both. So uh, that's funny that you brought up that same thing I was thinking about. It is old school though. Very, very old school. It definitely is old school. Now we're going to go to Pete for the third song on the album. I got the third song, and it is Two of a Kind, Working on a Full House. When the going gets tough, sometimes we find just a rigged magnet. But I need that little woman like the props need a rain. She's my honeycomb and I'm her sugar cane. We really fit together if you know what I'm talking about. Two of a Kind was co-written by Warren Haynes, Dennis Robbins, and Bobby Boyd. It was released on the album as the third single and ended up being Garth's fifth consecutive number one hit. It went to number one on uh, U.S. Hot Country Songs, and it is just a very, very fun, upbeat tempo, great song. The lyrics... And how he turns a relationship into a hand of cards and the fact that I like to play cards is pretty awesome. I love the way that the song and each verse of the song has a different way to explain something different in other words. And then all turns back to, you know, a a relationship of a, a hand of cards. One of the favorite verses in that for me, ultimate goal one day is to have a piece of property and live out in the country. But the verse where he says, yep, a pickup truck is her limousine, and her favorite white dress is her faded blue jeans. She loves me tender when the going gets tough. Sometimes we fight just so we can make up. I absolutely love that verse. That is, every time it comes on, that's the verse that I sing the loudest. It's, I don't like the idea of a limousine, but I have no problem getting into a pickup truck out in the woods somewhere. Um, not a big guy getting dressed up. Actually, at 41 years old, just bought my first suit. I'd rather be in faded blue jeans somewhere out dressed up that way. So that is my favorite, favorite verse of that song. I really, really enjoy that song in, in the upbeat tempo. It's a 
to me a cool love song that's not really you know it's a story about a love song so that's that's kind of uh, my favorite thing with that song what do you guys think about it i i agree this arguably could have been on our love songs episode and actually my sister advocated for this to be on that episode and i was like <laughs> there has to be space we we're trying to keep the episodes to a decent length and we've talked about we could talk for hours and hours so, but this definitely could have made that list. It's so much fun live. Like you mentioned, it's just a fun song. It's fun, upbeat. It always gets the crowd going. So I love that one. And and I did think of the two of you listening to it just because of like the poker reference with the the cards. I am not a poker player, but both of these guys play cards. Well, <laughs> <laughs> coincidentally, Garth did end up with a full house because of the three girls, oh. but um, this would have been done before he would have known that. So I thought that that was pretty funny. Right. But yeah, I just I love this song. It's a, it's a good one. What about you, Deb? I love this song. This is one of my all time favorite Garth Brooks songs. One of my favorites to see live. I without fail, it doesn't matter what I've been through in a day. You know, if I had a bad day at work or just going crazy with normal life stuff, then if this song comes on, I'm all good. I dance to it in the car on the way to wherever I'm going or wherever I'm coming from. And it just automatically, it just puts a smile on my face and I could listen to it over and over again. But the the thing that I always laugh about, and you know, we talked about this a little bit before, Garth and the songwriters that he chooses they often have lyrics that are a little bit on the racy side. And so to me, this song definitely has a couple of those. And so I always giggle like a little schoolgirl whenever he talks about, um, you know, we fit together, <laughs> if you know what I mean. I always have to laugh at that every time. I don't care. I'll always be a teenager when it comes to that lyric. I can't help it. It just is. So. Every time I love, I love Garth. I just, everything about this song to me, it's Garth. And in a way it kind of has like an old time, the music part of it kind of has an old time feel, but at the same time, it's so fully and completely Garth Brooks that, yeah, it'll always be one of my favorites. I agree. Yeah, for sure. You know, another thing with that is uh, also talking about like the live show when he sings live, his big thing is uh, we're two of a kind and he'll put up two fingers. I always find myself wanting to do it. We're two of a kind, put two fingers up. So that's another thing that uh, always, it's just, and those things, we see him live and he does those little things, a little something with every song. And that's one thing with that song that it reminds me of. Yeah, it just sticks with us. Yeah. So with that discussion finished, we will pass it over to Jess for the fourth song. All right. The fourth song off of No Fences was Victim of the Game. Well, it took a little time. But I guess you finally learned That promises get broken Bridges do get burned You've been sifting through the ashes Just trying to find a flame Holding on to nothing You're a victim of the game This song was written by Garth Brooks and Mark Sanders. And background on Mark Sanders, this guy actually has had 14 number one songs, including Leanne Womack's I Hope You Dance, which I think is a great song. I love that song. He also did What You Gonna Do With a Cowboy, 
Garth's uh, duet with Chris Ledoux off of Chris Ledoux's album of the same name, What You Gonna Do With The Cowboy. So amazing songwriter. So it's no surprise that he and Garth together came up with this great song. I am shocked that this was not a single because I love it so much. And it's one that I actually hadn't listened to in a while. And I loved it. And it just kind of fell off my radar. But when I listened to it again for this podcast, when it got to the chorus and it gets to the who you are line of the chorus, I was just like, why do I not listen to this every day? I love this song so much. And then there's these amazing parts in there. Like it says, there ain't no standing tall in the shadow of the shame when everybody knows you're a victim of the game. Who can identify with that feeling of like you just got played or something happened to you that somebody did in a relationship and everybody knows, you know, everyone knows about it. Everyone's feeling bad for you. It's a terrible like nobody likes that feeling. And so I think you can hear a line like that and just immediately it gets to if not everyone, certainly most people can understand that feeling. Another line that I loved was at the very end, and it says, when I look into your eyes, I can really feel the pain staring in the mirror at a victim of the game. Because again, when you find somebody who has experienced exactly what you've experienced, no one's going to get it like that. And you connect with that person either because they've been through what you're going through or you've been through what they're now going through. And either way, that's such a bond whenever you find that moment. Something that you guys may not know or other people may not know is that Trisha also released a version of this on her debut album. It was the sixth track off of Trisha Yearwood, July of 91. And it wasn't a single for her either, but both versions of this song are going right back on my playlist. I love it so much. Can we just cue it up and do the chorus from her version and then back to back with the with Garth's version so that we can all just bask in the glory of how great this song is and compare? There's no one quite as blind as a victim of the game. And it don't matter who you are. It treats I just love it. I just love it. Did you guys um did you guys get to listen to it ahead of time and and what do you think? Yeah, so I didn't know that Trisha had recorded this, Jess, until you told me. And once you said that, I thought, well, I have to hear that. And so I ran off, found it on Amazon Music and listened to it and then listened to Garth and then listened to Trisha's. And all I kept thinking was how interesting it would be to have Garth singing 
a verse from it and then Trisha singing a verse from it and then Garth singing the next and do it kind of, you know, uh, one after the other. And I imagined it in my head as these two people who had been together and went through a heartbreak and are experiencing the same things because of what the other person did to them. So I just, I had this whole little oh, movie playing so in my cool. head because of the fact that the two people recorded this song. I really liked it though. Trisha's version is great. I love it. This was not one of my go-to songs, but I love it now. I think it's great. I love it. I wonder if we can campaign for them to sing it together now so that we can hear it. <laughs> That's funny. That's what I was just that thinking about. great. Tonight on Insight Studio G, Garth was talking, somebody had asked about duets, more duets with Trisha and Garth. This would be a good one to throw into the fire because I had no idea Trisha recorded it. So I can't wait to go back and, and listen to it, you know, from both sides, like you were saying, uh, from a guy's side and a, and a woman's side. But that song, it, it's been on my playlist. And I actually went back and forth with it when we did the love song episode. And I was like, no, yeah, no. But, uh, <laughs> I listened to it quite a bit during that period because uh, it is a phenomenal song. I can't wait to hear Trisha's version of it. I had no idea. Hey guys, it's Deb. I'm going to let you inside my head for just a minute so you can hear the Garth and Trisha duet of Victim of the Game with me. But I guess you finally learned That promises get broken Bridges do get burned You've been sifting through the ashes Just trying to find a flame Holding on to nothing You're a victim of the game Yeah, yeah, it's really good. So good. Well, I think that's all for this song. As great as it is, I could probably find something else to say about it. But for time's sake, I'm going to pass it off to Deb and let her pick up with song number five. Okay, I do have song number five, and it is Friends in Low Places. I toasted you, said, honey, we may be through, but you'll never hear me complain. Cause I got friends in low places where the whiskey drowns and the beer. Friends in Low Places was released August 6th of 1990. And if you've listened since the beginning, you've heard we talked about this in our first episode. It was one of Pete's favorite songs. He loves that it's an anthem, and it truly is. Like just recently, Pete and I were at a wedding, and the intro to this song started, and everybody knew it, and we all started dancing, and it was fantastic because it's just, it's a great song. It was Garth's first single off of this album, No Fences. It spent four weeks at number one. And it won awards for Single of the Year at the ACMs and the CMAs that year. So I wanted to go out and find out some interesting information about this song. And there was some stuff out there that I never knew. So there may be some that you out there don't know either. 
one of the things I found out is that at the 340 mark of this song, which I will drop in a soundbite of it, you can actually hear, and now I've gone back and listened to it like three times because I thought there's no way this happens. You can hear someone yell, push Marie. And the reason that they're yelling that is because Garth's guitarist for this song, James Garver, his wife was in labor and having a baby while he was recording this song, and he didn't make it to the delivery because he was working on this song. <gasps> oh, my God. So they threw that in as like a shout out to her. So his wife's name's Marie. She was having a baby. You can honestly hear it right at the 340 mark. I love that. There is also, you know, the crowd scene when it's crazy and everybody's yelling. There's a beer can opening. And so when they were editing the song, they thought like the technicians thought it was just an error. They were going to take it out. And they were told, no, 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 that's a beer can opening. We want it in there. I searched. I can't find it. So if any of y'all out there know where the beer can opens, send me the timestamp. I want to find it. I listened and listened. I could not find it. So just to give you some background on this song, which again, we covered in one, but it was written by Dwayne Blackwell and Earl Bud Lee. They actually were at a bar drinking, getting drunk, realized they didn't have any money to pay the bill. And so um, Lee said, don't worry, I've got friends in low places. I know the cook. And so they didn't write the song right then. They just took that down as a note. And a few months later, they were at a party. They were kind of checking out the scene. It was somebody's a singer's party in Nashville. And they were kind of watching the party around them. And they started to think about that phrase that he had used, friends in low places, and checking out the scene around them and just started building the song from there. And then it kind of wrote itself right there at the party. They were even taking lyrics down on a napkin. And actually, if they had given it to Garth just a few weeks sooner, he would have put it on his first album. But his first album was already set. And they actually asked him to record the demo. So he did, which at this point, because his first album was out and it was doing well, but it wasn't no fences yet. It hadn't bro you know, broken any records. So they asked him to record the demo and he did. And it was actually the last demo that he ever recorded was for Friends in Low Places. So Mark Chestnut was offered the song because the writers were afraid that it would just get left by the wayside. So they gave it to Mark Chestnut and Mark Chestnut recorded it and it's on his Too Cold at Home album. So I will also drop in a little sample of that because it's completely different. I did not know that. Yeah, it is not the friends in low places that we know. I showed up in boots, ruined your black tie fan. Last one to show, last one to know I was the last one you thought you'd see there. I saw the surprise and the fear in
a couple other small little things. So the intro that we all know and love, it was actually not part of the song. It was improvised by Mark Stevens. He was uh, one of the musicians on the song and he dropped it in there. And then all of a sudden, now look, everybody knows that. And history was made at that point. And then one other thing, the oasis that they talk about going to is actually a real bar in Kansas. James Garver, the same guy whose wife was having the baby, grew up in a town that had a bar called the Oasis. And so he got that thrown in there. And actually, one more final thing. <laughs> I just have a lot now. <laughs> I, I can't remember if Pete mentioned this or not in the first one, but I'm sure everybody out there knows. And if you don't, you have to get a live version of it. There is a third verse that Garth only sings in concert. It's not available on the recording. So if you haven't seen him in concert sing it, it's the best part of the whole show. Chris Ledoux and this are, the, to me, the best parts of his shows. I love those. That's what I had. <laughs> Such a great song. I really love this one. And you talking about the Oasis, that's my favorite part live is when everybody sings out that line slip on down to the oasis and it's just such a party such a great time at a live show yeah it is definitely and how noticeable the song is with just three little chords that you know from a guitar in the beginning and then the entire place just erupts mm -hmm. you know i could talk about the anthem all day and it, it's crazy that you mentioned it because we had just got done recording that episode and then we went to the wedding and we heard it and you and i from across the room just dead looked at each other there probably wasn't no more than 10 people in that entire wedding that listened to country music. There was 86 people that attended and every single person knew the words, including kids. It was unbelievably yes. fun. It, that's exactly what we were talking about on the podcast. Right. And in that moment, the dance floor was more crowded than it had been for the entire other parts of the wedding. No matter what other song came on. During this song, it was filled. Everybody was there. Yeah. So much fun. Okay, so that is it for this week's topic. The first five songs off of the No Fences album. Hey guys, it's Deb and Pete back here in the present. So listening back to that episode, what's really amazing to me is that No Fences stayed on the top 40 chart for 126 weeks. Like, that is crazy when you think about it. 126 weeks is two years and four months. It, it was a long time. Right? Yeah. It was in the top 40 for two years. Like, that's crazy. It's crazy how they talk about how the album bounced back and forth. Like, somebody, it would be up top, somebody would come in and knock it off, and then bam, it'd take the number one spot again. And it bounced around with a whole bunch of very, very successful artists in, in genres at that time. It's, uh, Man, that's a long time. Holy moly. Yeah, that's moly. a long time. Two years it stayed in there. Yeah. Okay, so let's get right into the songs. So first song right out of the gate, Thunder Rolls. Like, yeah. come on. That's such a great song written by Garth and Pat Alger. And I did find a new tidbit about Pat that we hadn't talked about previously. So not only did he write the Thunder Rolls for No Fences, he also played acoustic guitar on the album. He did harmony and backing vocals for the album. Holy so I thought moly. that was cool. Yeah, like, I didn't like, realize that. Talk about being involved with the song from start to finish. That's a great little piece of, uh, of trivia. Yeah, and I don't even know that it was just on this song. 
I didn't get specifics about what he did, but it could have been the album as a whole. Like he may have done different things on different songs, but I thought that was really cool. Yeah, you know, and he's wrote so many different songs for Garth. I'd be interested to see if there's any other songs that he's written, even on other uh, albums, that maybe he was more involved with like that. Right. Jess mentioned it in this episode. She mentioned Trisha's Like We Never Had a Broken Heart, which was written by Pat Alger. And as a matter of fact, I was interested in listening back after what Jess said about it. I'm going to drop in a snippet of that song just to get another taste of Pat's writing. Know the sadness it can bring Tonight let's close the door And hold on to the nearest thing Let's keep hanging on you listen to Jess and the accomplishments that Pat has had, there's a lot out there. But, you know, I don't know that there'll ever be one as known as The Thunder. And for that to be the start off song off of an album like that, oh, even all the even all the hard times that that song went through, you know, during its release and stuff. But, uh, you know, one thing Garth always talks about is the D minor that they play it in. And it's funny because I, I don't know anything about playing a guitar, although I'd love to learn. But the way that he explains, you know, D minor and the sound to it, now it's funny because I'll listen to other songs and I try to figure out like what minor they're playing in. But the D minor one is one that's very, very noticeable, I think, in a lot of songs, especially the Thunder. Yeah. Yeah. And going back, like you mentioned, the controversy surrounding this song. I think it's interesting when you think about that now, how many years later we are since then, where that song had all this controversy surrounding it. But now, you know, music has changed so much over the years that if that song were released today, I don't think there would be any controversy surrounding it. And, you know, we tend to, when you consider how songs and attitudes around music and how they change and what's acceptable from our musical superstars as we go throughout the years, you know, like Elvis couldn't be filmed from the waist down because of the way that he moved his hips. And now something like that would be so innocent in comparison to things that we see now today. Yeah, like WAP of 2020. Come Come on. on. Give me a break. Yeah. You're right. I mean, it's it's like now I think there would be no say-so in the the song and in its meaning. It would probably just jump to number one on the charts and stay there for a super long time. And and then we would move on and, and that would be it. You know, both the song and the video. We talked a lot about the music video. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. And you know, another thing I realized listening back, I cannot say the word con- controversy. Con- con- I can't say that <laughs> controversial? word. Controversial? <laughs> controversial. I can't say it. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's go on to song number two. Song number two was New Way to Fly. What did you think about that one? You know, one thing I did not notice the first time that we talked about it and and when I listened to it before, but now listening to it and replaying it, the amazing background vocals in that song. Like, I never realized how powerful they were 
and how much they meant to the overall sound of that entire song. I always loved the song. Uh, you know, it's got that old school sound. I, I really enjoyed the song long before we covered it. And one that I enjoy when it comes up on the playlist, I turn it up, you know, a little extra louder, like I do with a lot of the ones that I that I really enjoy. But yeah, I didn't realize those backgrounds. It's so funny that you mentioned that because that's exactly what I talked about in my notes for this is going back to how Jess made a really good point about how with Trisha there, like it's so powerful and it makes it so much more of a Garth song because of her background yeah. vocals. Yeah. It's crazy because it seems like more than any on this album, I have other notes, you know, on some other songs as well, you know, about that buzz. We we talked about the buzz between Garth and Trisha uh, on this album and, and their duets together or the background and, and how she became that Garth uh, sound. And that's a very good song to take that from and move with it because it, it is that the backgrounds just move that song entirely for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So then going on to song number three, Two of a Kind Working on a Full House, I like how you pointed out in the original episode that the lyrics in this song are such a great twist of phrase. Like it's so perfectly yeah. phrased. I love that about this song. Yeah, it tells an entire story by different little phases that go together. I can never talk enough about Two of a Kind. Like it is as country as it comes. And the way that Garth pitches his voice in different areas of the song I literally would be lying if when that song comes on and I'm singing it, I don't try to change the pitch in my <laughs> voice to match Garth's voice. It's it's a lot of fun. You can tell that he really enjoyed recording it and just told a story about her sister trying to get this on the love song episode. Yeah. That song very well could have made it on that episode, you know, had one of us picked it. Absolutely. And and then she referenced, you know, Garth's full house, you know, now yep. with bringing in the girls and, and Trish and just a such a such a fun song yeah and uh, I, I really enjoy that one yeah and I like you know I also found on the liner notes I like what Garth says one of the things he says about this song he says and to this day even though it's a small lighthearted song it's one of the strongest parts of our live show people just seem to connect with this song this is a big point to writers and artists out there especially myself that sometimes intense gets the point across but don't forget to show them your sense of humor. Yeah. And and that's such a good quote because it it's a song that tells a story that everybody gets to. And there is a little bit of humor in it. And, uh, you know, he's right. It absolutely fits that song so well. Yeah, it's a perfect quote for that song. I agree. Absolutely. Okay. So then we'll go on to song number four, Victim of the Game. So I think this Ooh. is such a great song. It's so good. Yeah. And I actually, looking back at it now, I found that I pretty much overlooked it for a lot of years until we started doing this podcast. And I'm so glad that this podcast reintroduced it to me because I just kind of like I knew it at the time and I just kind of skipped over it. And now it's brought it right back to me. It's such a great song. And then I love too what Jess mentioned about it, about the fact that Trisha had recorded it, which I never knew that until Jess told us when we were prepping for that episode. And I yep. love Trisha's version of it. And then I love how in my head, it all sounded like a duet to me. And then editing right. those pieces of the, that song together. Are you reading my notes right now? <laughs> <laughs> like, Unbelievable. Like, that's the thing I wrote. I like, going back and listening to Trish do the song. My notes say, wow, wow, wow. How good is she? 
And like, I had no idea. So obviously I wouldn't listen to it and it would be a great duet between them. But the way that you edited and put the two of them together as in doing that as a duo, right? like sharing wow. each verse. I love yeah. that. I want that oh, to be recorded man. right now. And, <laughs> like right now, you know, we talked about going and trying to get a campaign to get, you know, somehow they did the shallow, right? We got to find a way to get them to be able to do this That'd song be together. So, so great together. Like victim of the game, it it wasn't a single off the record. I don't remember exactly where it peaked at, if at all. But like right now, if the two of them were to redo this song as a duet, it would take off like Shallow did. It would be unbelievably good for the two of them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think we need to put it out there. I think I need to do a uh, ask Garth for one of his Inside Studio G's. We definitely could. That would like if we could just get it to the both of them. And now you know, with uh, Inside Studio T, send it to both of them. Somebody's got to catch wind of it. Yep. Or if they do another one of those CBS concerts or something, something they need to do yes. at that Get song. Some kind of request into their ears and let them try to do yeah. it. Yeah, it'd be great. So then we go on to the last song of the podcast for this episode, Friends in Low Places. Ugh. What a great song to put right smack dab in the middle of the album, yep. right? I mean, you get you start with the thunder and you make it all the way through and then wham, here comes Friends. Yep. Like that all-time anthem. And we actually talked about it in the last episode. I mentioned it early on, you know, being an anthem song and one song that everybody knows. And sure enough, you and I are at a wedding, yep. right? We talk about it on the episode. The song comes on, 86 people go crazy and like, I'll have it on like my phone or, you know, I'll be on the golf course with the buddies or be in my truck or whatever. And whoever's around, I just look to see who's singing it because everybody knows it. <laughs> like it is such a fun, fun song. Yeah, it is. And I loved uh, doing the research for that episode and finding all so those good. little interesting tidbits. I love yep. the Push Marie. Push Marie. Now that's every time I listen to the song, yep. I hear it without Absolutely. fail. I hear it. And the beer can. I love that people got back to us with the timestamp for the beer can. Kimberly being one of them. She was one of the first ones to reach out to us. Yeah. And and now I hear that beer can opening every time without fail. Every time. Yeah, it's crazy because I never listened or heard those things before. Like I just knew the song and I would sing it as loud as I could. And you get to the third verse and then, you know, that that's that, right? You know, I, I did on this one. I, I went back and I finally made an effort to listen to the Mark Chestnut version. Mm, yeah. Let's just say I'm super happy that the big man cut it yeah. and he's made it what it is today. Yeah, I agree. Because that one is totally different. Totally different yeah. sound. Right. Way mellow. Not a lot of fun. Like this one, you know, Garth at the live show popping off the confetti cannons to it. Streamers are going everywhere. Like that kind of stuff makes this song, yeah. especially in the live shows. It's unbelievably good. You know, it's funny because I was listening to that past episode in the car with my whole family. And when it got to the Mark Chestnut snippet and it played, all of my kids agreed. All three of them agreed. That song, that version, sounds like that guy is depressed about having friends in low places. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it, because you're right. It's just like friends in right. low places. Whereas you're Garth like, is happy, and that's like, happy. he's you know, the fact that he has friends in low places is something he's proud of, and they he's just felt like right. Mark Chestnut's version was just, this guy's so depressed about having friends in low places. Yeah. Like, that's one that if you just listen, no matter what kind of mood you in, all it's going to do is turn up the the happiness volume, you know, for you personally, because you can't not not be happy with Garth's version of it. Yeah. And it's 
the way I look at that song now is it is definitely an anthem that's going to outlive us all. All of us. It'll always be around. I wish that there was a way to tell, like, what percentage of weddings is that song played at? 97. Like, right? I mean, it's got to be up there. It's got to be ridiculously high, like higher than any other anthem that's out there. It's just out there. It's for it's forever. Yeah. It is. It will it will stand the test of time for sure. Yeah, I agree. OK, guys, that wraps up our updated discussion of the first five songs on Garth's second album, No Fences. Now let's go over to Pete for a shout out to one of our favorite Garthologists. This week's shout out goes to Garthologist Jenna Sutton. And it works perfect for this week. We asked what your favorite song was, and Jenna responded with Victim of the Game. Jenna, we appreciate the support and the interaction, and we hope that uh, our review of Victim of the Game uh, was well-received by you. Yes, thank you so much, Jenna. I love that song, too. Have you checked out our website at Garthology.com yet? If not, stop by and leave us a comment on our blog page to let us know how we're doing. Plus, you can even submit a show idea. While you're there, go ahead and sign up for our newsletter at the bottom of the website. And remember to subscribe to our podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Do you listen on Apple Podcasts? If so, stop by there now and give us a rating and write up a really quick review just to let us know how we're doing and to encourage others to listen. Are you in a Garth Brooks fan page on Facebook? If so, don't forget to share us with your group by posting about us or sharing one of our posts there. Help your friends in low places become Garthologists too. And talking about friends in low places, if you are on social media and you'd like to interact with us, you can find us at Twitter and Instagram at GarthologyCast. And if you're on Facebook, we're at Facebook.com backslash GarthologyCast. I got to tell you guys, there's a lot of excitement when I get a notification on my phone and it's one of you guys interacting uh, with us on the social. So we appreciate your guys' support and don't hesitate to tweet, retweet, share, or like any of our posts. We really appreciate the support. Yes, we do. Thank you guys so much. So that wraps it up for today. And this has been season two, episode 13 of Garthology. And I'm Deb. I'm Pete. And Jess, we miss you so much, and we can't wait to be recording with you again soon. We miss you, friend. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Jess, do you hear her? No, I thought it was just me. Okay. All right. I totally put my microphone on mute because Rocky jumped up and then I completely forgot that I did I'm it. I'm kind of glancing at Pete. I'm like, is he listening to her? I'm like watching her go and I'm wa- Jess is like, and I'm like, what am I missing Rocky here? Rocky jumped up. So that might be our ending this time. She it, she was so can't. I was like, whatever she's saying is awesome because she's in it right now. It's amazing. Holy shit.